0: You're listening to the Farm Report Podcast with Jake and Corey. Brought to you by Indians Baseball Insider and Broadcast on the Smoke Signals Podcast Network. We're talking Tribe. Good evening, wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in. We are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, senior contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to the 2019 season of the Farm Report podcast. It's right, the fourth season of this podcast. It's hard to believe we've been doing this for this long already, but it's great to be back and great to be talking prospects. We are a week away from minor league opening day as we record this, so very exciting times and... Always great to be uh, previewing the minor league season, getting excited about prospects and who is going to be making uh, big strides in their development, who could be helping the Indians this year from their farm system. It's uh, it's all good times here on this podcast. Uh, joining me as always for another great season of the Farm Report podcast, I'm sure, my regular co-host, uh, IBA contributor Corey Christen. Corey, how's it going?
1: I'm doing well. My, uh, I cleared waivers. I accepted my option to AAA, and here I am. Uh, I'm doing great. The season's underway. The Indians are 0-1, unfortunately, but um, that's going to happen when your two best hitters, one's out and one doesn't produce for you. Kluber was fantastic in opening day, but prospects, man, year four? Holy crap, that's awesome. Um, it's like we see the progression of some of these prospects and, you know, you look at guys like Greg Allen and even Tyler Naquin who are in Cleveland now and how they've progressed over these four years and us following them from when they were just an A ball. It's really awesome to see those kind of projections and those kind of trajectories take place. But um, another fantastic year we're set up with in the Indians farm system. There's never a shortage of topics in this farm system.
0: Absolutely. We're going to touch on as many as we can tonight, as well as next week when we uh, preview the individual affiliates when those rosters all get released. But tonight we're going to be focusing on the farm system as a whole and also talking about prospect rankings. Our uh, top 50 prospect list is wrapping up, which transitions uh, beautifully into introducing our uh, guest co-host for the night. Uh, You know him from... Uh, the Smoke Signals Podcast, if you're a regular list podcast listener, also has been helping me do this uh, Top 50 Prospect list, which, as I said, we're winding down. We're down to our Top 3 now when this episode gets released. Uh, Justin Latta. Justin, how's it going?
2: It's Good. I'm excited for the call-up to the more exciting podcast, because after today's game and <laughs> we talked yesterday, I'm more excited to talk prospects than ever before after our conversation last night and – uh after opening day.
0: Absolutely. Wouldn't you be sent down technically if this, isn't, since this is the minor league podcast?
2: I guess so. But this is more of a promotion given how <laughs> the Indians season opener went. Let's be honest.
0: All right. That's fair enough then. All right. So you know what, guys? What do you say we dive right into this? Because we got so much to talk about. Let's start with this top 50 prospect list. Uh, as we said, uh, we are down to our top four as we record this. Uh Either post on the site now or post on the site shortly, you will see that uh, our number four prospect is Bobby Bradley, Uh, Daniel's top slugging prospect, prospect. and with the top 50 names you have this year, there are a lot of new faces uh, from the drafts last year, some guys from uh, international signings, a lot of guys moving up, some guys moving down. So, uh, Justin, since you and I have been putting together this list, I'll start with you. What jumps out to you most about this year's list compared to, uh, recent years?
2: Definitely the youth. I think the last couple of years, we'll just reference last year's list for first, uh, reference sake. Last year, the top, <clears throat> the top 10 had guys that were all in, except for one, were all in double A or above. The only guy that wasn't in double A last year, um was Nolan Jones. The rest of the top 10 was double A or above this year. Well, this will give you a little sneak peek into the final couple, but this year, uh, let's see. One pitcher is in double A. And after that, there's nobody. Okay. So there's Bobby Bradley, who's in triple A. So there's two guys above double A in the top 10. That's it. There's two oh, guys. Double, or three. I'm sorry. Three. So three out of the top 10 are in or double A or above this year. So it's almost a reverse. the, the the system's really young, but I think it's a good thing. There's a lot of young prospects that are – that has a lot of youth in the system that's going to be the, the backbone of the organization for years to come, I think.
0: Yeah, you know, you look at the top uh, ten from last year. I'm looking at it right now from our spreadsheet from last year. You know, the top ten, you had Francisco Mejia at the top. Obviously, he's gone uh, to San Diego via trade. You got guys graduating in the majors like Shane Bieber, Greg Allen, uh, Willie Castro is no longer with the organization, and it's really a lot of transition that went on with this list, and now this year you've got guys like uh, uh, Luis Oviedo, Bo Naylor, uh, Brian Rochillo, Tower Freeman, Lenny Torres Jr., a uh, lot of new names and new faces, new blood in this uh Top 50 list, and I'll throw it over to you now, Corey, since you're getting the chance to look at this list now. Uh, what jumps out to you when you look at this top 50 list that we have for this year, uh, as far as the Indians prospects go?
1: The first thing that jumped out to me was youth, as well. But to go off of a different point, middle infield depth is huge right now. Uh, Looking at it, Yu Chang at six, I'm not I'm not going to spoil the top three because. Uh, those haven't been unveiled yet. Yu Chang at 6. Brian Rocio at 8. Tyler Freeman at 10. Gabriel Rodriguez at 12. Um, Scrolling down, Aaron Bracho at 22. Richie Palacios at 24. There's point is, there's 7 or 8. Ernie Clement at 27. There are quite a few middle infield prospects, shortstop or second base. And a lot of these guys are marked right now as shortstops, but... As they grow throughout the minor leagues, a few of these guys are going to move over to second base or even third base, for that matter. But um, there is one Nolan Jones in the system, so how much time would they really get hurt? third? Um, but looking at the, sh- the just the surplus of shortstops, you know, Yu Chang, who has been a fix in this organization for a while, Brian Rocchio, who was the glass cannon player in spring training that made, like, two sweet plays and captured Indian's you know, the eyes of the Indians fan base, and then it's like, Oh, who is this kid? Where is he? And then you're you find out he's going to be in Mahoney Valley this season, most likely. Um, Tyler Freeman, we know about Tyler Freeman, an MVP campaign if there was one in the New York Penn League. Um, Gabriel Rodriguez, we're going to learn who he is pretty shortly. That's what really stuck out to me. You always find pitchers throughout prospect rankings, and you know, a list is a list, but. When you highlight just how many talented middle infielders, you know, Ernie Clement, Jake, you and I have talked in extent about Ernie Clement last season and how he shot up through three levels and he has this revolutionary swing that he just makes contact and puts the ball in play. And he's down at 27th on this prospect list. I mean, a list is a list. And if that's any indication on how deep this system is in middle infield depth, that's a really good sign if Ernie Clement's way down there.
0: Yeah, it's talking about some of the other uh, infield prospects who are uh, rounding out this list. You got Reynel Delgado, Junior San Quentin, Marcos Gonzalez. There are a lot of names and a lot of new names too. You know, We all know about the uh, Yu Chang of the world and uh, maybe even Tyler Freeman can be considered somewhat of an elder statesman at this point compared to some of these other names. But uh, yeah, you've got uh, – so many new names, so many new faces, some guys who haven't even reached affiliated ball yet, and it's really exciting. It's a, co- I think it's a combination of both the points we've made so far, middle infield depth and youth, because I think uh, this this group of young middle infielders and shortstops really encapsulates encap- both. So uh, uh, c- kind of answering this question already, but what positions and areas are do you consider to be the biggest strengths and weaknesses Uh, of the farm system based on this list. Uh, I'll go to you, Justin
2: middle infield, obviously is going to be the the major answer because there's just a lot of guys in the top 20 that are playing shortstop or second base and throughout Um, also young pitching. I think there's a lot of really interesting pitching in here. We've already seen Aaron Saval um, in the top 20. We've got Carlos Vargas, who we haven't talked about yet, who I really like. Uh, Chi Wei Hu, I know he's not young, but he's an interesting arm, even though he had a terrible spring. Sam Henches is in this in the top 20. Uh, Luis Oviedo, Ethan Hankins, who was out today. Lenny Torres, there's a lot of young arms, too. I think the Indians are are stockpiling some really good young arms that can really throw it, too. Those guys, those are all guys that throw, except for Saval, those are all guys that throw 93, 94, 95 so, as starters. So that's really interesting, too. So obviously we already talked about the middle infield, but starting pitching as far from a, a youth standpoint, is really interesting, too.
0: And uh, what do you consider to be any kind of weakness, if you see any right now that that's really glaring?
2: Unfortunately, I'm going to continue to say the outfield. There's really – well, I shouldn't even say the outfield. You know what? That's that's not as bad as it has been either, if you look at a couple of the top prospects there. So um, maybe catching. You know, they've, they've had a hard time developing catchers. I know Eric Cost is at the top. He's still a prospect, but – um, aside from Bo Naylor, there's no catchers in the system that you really feel good about. Like Logan Ice was 39, but Logan Ice is not much of a hitter and, um, he's supposed to be a good defender, but he's been hurt a lot. We don't even know. And we don't even know if Bo Naylor is going to be a catcher long-term. He might be, uh, a third baseman, a second baseman, and he might be good at those positions. So they may, they may want his bat to be in the lineup and, and to get to the majors quicker than catching. So catching continues to not be a good position for them the miners, and it it really hasn't been because i also did never i never considered francisco he had to be a good catcher either because he was never good at a lot of the aspects of catching outside of throwing
0: cory what do you see when you look at this farm system and this list and see as far as uh, strengths and weaknesses go
1: yeah kind of echoing some of justin's sentiments here with the catching depth it's the three there's only three catchers on the top 50. Bo Naylor at seven, Eric Haas at 17, and he mentioned Logan Ice down at 39. When it comes to the depth of this position, trading Francisco Mejia, I know maybe long-term he wasn't going to be a catcher, and I still feel like internally there was more to um, than just him being a top prospect in a lot of the public's eyes. The Indians have their own system of evaluation. It maybe the value on Francisco Mejia wasn't as high as everybody else perceived it. So that's why part of the reason why they traded him, I should say. But now the closest thing that the Indians have to Perez and Plowecki is Eric Haas. Good option to have as your third catcher. And I talked about him in our last Smoke Signals podcast, not this one, one before it, about him potentially surprising us in Cleveland and how – you know, all it takes is a hit-by-pitch or something, Perez or Ploiecki, to give Eric Haas his opportunity. But, but besides him, there's really nothing – there's really nothing. I mean, Logan Ice was a highly drafted prospect at Oregon State, but he's had injury issues. Uh, Justin mentioned his struggles at the plate, and that Bo Naylor is going to likely be in Mahoning Valley. So, he's, what, three, four, five maximum years out from any any sort of major league action. And, yeah, he may not even be a catcher. So – I think that's a clear weakness in this system, but another one I looked at was not just outfield, but corner outfield specifically. I look at Daniel Johnson and Oscar Mercado, who are two of the top outfield prospects in the system, and I see them as more center fielders. You guys might disagree with me on this, but I see them as more center fielders the way they profile. Um, But other than that, you have to go pretty deep to about 29 or 30 to find a corner out or, you know, to find a, 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 a viable corner outfield. Will Benson at 21, um, you know, he had, he couldn't hit last year, you know, runs, but average was below the Mendoza line. And then down 29, Connor Bell, and 30, Andrew Kalika. How confident are you and those guys playing a corner outfield? It, you know, and I can keep going down the list and everything, but I think that specifically is, is a need to address in the Indian system unless Either Johnson or Mercado can slide over to play a, a, a corner spot.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I think that outfield is more of a strength than be, some people might realize. I think with the likes of George Valera and uh, Daniel Johnson and Oscar Mercado, I think that top three right there is a pretty good uh, top three for uh, outfield prospects. And then it's you go down.
2: Huh? It's better than they've had.
0: Oh, absolutely. Sure. So, uh, then you go down the list. You got Connor Maribel and Andrew Kalika, both who, you know, are not, like, bona fide Major League prospects, but are very interesting and intriguing, uh, in their own right. And, you know, then you go down the list. Oscar Gonzalez is a guy who can hit, but, uh, you know, has. Is his bat going to profile well in the majors because he doesn't walk a lot? Uh, Mitch Longo is a guy who's hitting every step along the way, but, you know, you're always waiting for that other shoe to drop with him on some levels because of, you know, he wasn't a highly rated prospect. Uh, Quentin Holmes, who knows what where in the world he is right now. Uh, Kai, Tom had some good moments in Akron last year and looks to be a solid outfield defensive option and could do some things at the plate and... You know, Stephen Kwan's a, a newer guy and a guy I know Justin really likes. Uh, Todd Isaacs is no longer with the team. He just got re- uh, released from the organization. Mike Pappy, who knows at this point if he has any kind of major league future. Gabriel Mejia, he has to stay healthy. and But uh, there, there are options, I think, is what I'm getting getting to. There are, are guys who are kind of in flux with their uh situation with the organization, but uh, there are, are options I think that they can go with, and the top prospect options are, are much better. I totally agree about the catching situation though. With uh, the trades of Francisco Mejia and Jan Gomes, I said that it pretty much turn the reins over to Roberto Perez and Eric Haas for the immediate Major League future. And you know Kevin plecki has been thrown in there too, but this future reds, rests in the hands of both Perez and Haas for the time being. But beyond that, yeah, you're, you guys are absolutely right. There are no viable options. I mean, you have Daniel Salters, uh, Lee Jen Chu, and... Uh, and Sikdar uh, the latter two guys who we don't even know if they can catch long-term moving forward. And I think that in future drafts, they really should consider addressing the, the uh, catching issues. They did last year with by drafting Bo Naylor, which is great. I think they would do themselves well to add another uh, high-profile catcher or two. Uh, you know, you also got guys like or Diaz and uh, Mike Rivera – But, uh, yeah, the catching options are very sparse in this system, so I think they really need to work on uh, looking to address those. Um, Now, when you look at the – well, actually we'll get to this later in the show, but uh, let's get to some of the storylines as far as prospect development goes. In 2019, I compiled a list of five – storylines, uh, that I'm most look for- looking forward to watching, and I can ask you guys to throw yours in as well, but, uh, the five I had, first off, uh, the affiliated debuts of Bo Naylor, Ethan Hankins, George Valera, and Lane Torres Jr., among others, uh, I'm got to tell you, Mahoning Valley might be one of the most interesting and probably exciting teams in all the farm system coming up in 2019 because of all these guys potentially slated to make their affiliated ball debuts. Uh, Corey, since you've been in Mahoning Valley more than any of us, what are your thoughts on that and uh, uh, these, giving a chance to see these guys potentially in uh, in a Niles this
1: coming season? It just kind of depends on how quickly they, they progress and how well they do. It's happened – I'm not trying to play victim on behalf of the scrappers because they don't need me to. But over the past couple of years, we've seen guys like Luis Oviedo guys like him do really well in Mahoney Valley and then get a call to a, a Lake County team. That's maybe not doing as well. And I don't know if it's because, you know, they just wanted to get a experience around more experienced players or if they want to, get them into an environment where there's, you know, more fans around them or, you know, uh, a a more experienced coaching staff per se. But, you know, as long as that's a good good core core. to keep in Mahoning Valley, as long as those guys are there, the scrappers are definitely, definitely going to be an interesting team. But it it also kind of depends on how the captains do. And I think the captains are going to be interesting in themselves, assuming um a lot of the scrappers from last year you know that middle infield of Tyler Freeman and Jose Fermin. um how how they start i'm assuming Fermin's going to be in lake county freeman i think he could be in lynchburg but we don't know yet obviously um
2: he'll be in lake uh, county you think so i'm i'm almost positive yeah <laughs> there
1: you go um i think he could start in lynchburg though but anyway um Yeah, if those guys are all in Mahoning Valley, especially into August around the All-Star break once a season, because it's a short season, that that could be a scary championship-caliber team just on talent alone with those guys.
0: Justin, what are your thoughts on uh, these guys potentially reaching the affiliated ball ranks in 2019?
2: I have a hard time seeing Ethan Hankins getting to Mahoning Valley this year considering he had a shoulder injury his senior year of high school. I think the innings are going to be super cautious with him because that's what they usually do. Um, and even though he had a good debut in Arizona last year, he only threw three innings. Uh, so I would probably bet that Ethan Hankin stays in the Arizona this year. It's only 19. they got time to move him up. Um, Valera, I think Valera is more than ready for Mahoning Valley. I think Valera, if Valera didn't get hurt last year, I think he could be—he could have been in Lake County to start the year, but he got hurt and lost some time development last year. But of all the prospects in their system, he might be the most advanced. I'm i am really excited to see him this year. He's going to be in Ohio somewhere at some point this year. I don't know about Torres. I don't know about Naylor, especially the catching aspect. Naylor might get up here because he's got an advanced bat. But um, I'm really interested to see what the Indians' defensive plan is for him if they decide to have him catch full time or if they think that he'd be better served moving around the diamond. I don't know how they're going to handle him early on. And I'd like to see Lenny Torres this year too. I don't know if he'll make it all the way up here. Those are some young guys. They're not typically aggressive, you know, with sending those kind of guys uh, into affiliated ball early outside of Arizona. So I'd be kind of surprised if all of them make it this far, but for sure the only one I expect to see in Ohio this year is George Olara. Okay,
0: well, even if it is just Valera, that's still a pretty exciting prospect because uh, I don't I think a lot of people know who he is, but uh, I know everybody who's in the know as far as these international prospects has been raving about him since uh, before even the Indians signed him. So uh, I know the Indians have a pretty good prospect lined up in him, and he could potentially be a top prospect in himself, maybe pass up at uh, the likes of... Uh, Tristan McKenzie or uh, or Nolan Jones. Not that I'm revealing who the top three are, but uh, it's pretty it's pretty hard not to uh, get take a guess of who's in the top three at this point. I just won't reveal the order of what they're in. How about that? So uh, <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, yeah, that's. I think that Mahoning Valley could be very exciting this year, depending, and it won't just be those guys. You know, you could see guys potentially like a, a Brian Rochillo or a uh, or a uh, Marcos Gonzalez potentially. Uh, I mean, who knows? We might we might see a, a few more of these international players or maybe a couple more from the draft from last year come in. And then there will also be a lot of players from this this coming draft too. Let's not forget that. So, uh, uh, Next storyline I had was how uh, Luis Oviedo and Carlos Mejia will follow up their breakout 2018 campaigns. I tell you what, I cannot wait to see both of these guys pitch in uh, wherever they're going to be this year, probably in some combination of – probably both in Lynchburg, in all honesty. Maybe one is still in Lake County, but uh, we'll have to see how that works out. But how, what are your guys' thoughts on, on both of these pitchers making their – uh kind of their – I don't know, their sophomore, if you want to call it, their sophomore season after their breakout year? Uh, putting that together this uh, coming season, what are your thoughts? Uh, Justin.
2: I'm excited to see Luis Oviedo. He wasn't in, or in Lake County very long last year before he got shut down with that back injury. I think it was a back injury he got shut down with. Um, so he missed the last couple of weeks, and he didn't make any starts at home. So I was kind of bummed about that. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see him. So if he pitches really well, I don't expect him to be in Lake County long. The, the, Corey was talking earlier about how guys in, in Mahoning Valley, if they're good, they get moved up. Well, Lake County's had the same issue. If guys are good in Lake County, they get moved to Lynchburg real fast. I mean, Lake County hasn't made the playoffs since uh, 2014, the year they had Bradley Zimmer. So they have not had – I think Nolan Jones last year was about the longest they've had a top prospect who's performed well before finally getting moved up. So um, I I think that Oviedo will probably be in Lynchburg by the second half as long as he's healthy uh he same thing I'm, I'm kind of curious to what happens to him because I I think he has a chance to move pretty fast I don't know if he he'll probably start in Lynchburg but I don't think he'll be there long either I also heard a couple things that, that there's a chance he could have started in Akron too uh, skipping high a is really really rare but there's a chance that could happen as well but I don't expect that to be the the case but it could that was, uh, Jose Ramirez that,
0: that. did that last guy who did that
2: yeah only because Jose Ramirez forced the issue he said I wasn't going to to or I wasn't going to Carolina because I'm better than those guys and he proved it
0: <laughs> he did that he did and uh yeah I'm, Jose I, was special. yeah <laughs> anyway uh I've seen a lot of people talk speak very highly of jean Carlos which is you know kind of surprising to me because if I were to pick the guy who had the most most upside at this point it would probably be Oviedo of the two of them but there are a lot of people who, who are getting uh on the Carlos Mejia bandwagon right now and I think that uh it might be worth uh considering following him pretty closely this year to see how he does because I didn't know if he was gonna be moved to uh the starting rotation and be as effective as he was because he was really good as a reliever too So now he's starting, he's doing very well there, and uh, has the attention of a lot of uh, respectable people. And then Oviedo's season last year uh, in Mahoning Valley, also very uh, intriguing, and he has some great stuff as well, and definitely worthy of uh, top prospect consideration. So, uh, Corey, you got to see both these guys in Mahoning Valley at one point or another. What are your thoughts?
1: I think maybe he is interesting because right now he's actually listed on the rubber ducks website on their roster and the Indians thought highly enough to put him on the 40 man before the rule five draft happened. So he wouldn't get scooped up by anyone. We saw that happen with, I think it was Anthony Santander a few years ago who had a really good season in low A, And then the Indians didn't protect him, and he got scooped up by the Orioles and he was quickly used. So, um, they thought enough of Mejia to keep him in that regard and you know, he had a four and eight record in Lake County last year, but that's nothing to read into because a three thirteen ERA. Uh he only allowed twenty walks, so he struck out ninety seven with a one thirteen whip. I mean, he has pretty good swing and miss stuff. And yeah, I don't know if he's gonna skip Lynchburg and I don't know how true it is that he is on the Rubber Ducks roster right now, but Making that transition from reliever to starter, I haven't seen anybody, you know, in the last few seasons covering prospects make that transition like he has. What do you guys say?
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, the only other guy I can think of is uh, Eli Morgan, who really uh, took to it really well. I mean, I know he's had some struggles last year, but, uh, yeah, he took the starting very well, too, so – but I think Mejia has, probably has better stuff than um, Morgan does, so that's what's going to make it really interesting to follow moving forward. Uh, uh, Justin, uh, any other thoughts on uh, Mejia or Oviedo?
2: Um, no, I mean, me I, I was surprised, too. They put him on the 40-man roster, but I think they thought that he was going to move fast enough where if another team identified him, he they would lose him. And he was good last year. I, I saw him a lot of times, and I was... Nothing really jumped off the page where I was like, wow, this guy is going to be really good. But, you know, he threw a lot of strikes. He had, you know, three good pitches. And I'm really interested to see how he builds off that guy who, like you said, is in the starting rotation for the first time. If they can keep him healthy, I think he's got a really good future just because he throws strikes. I mean, he's got great command of all three of his pitches.
0: Okay, totally agree. And I am... Looking forward to seeing both of them pitch, maybe one or maybe even both of them in Akron. Who knows at some point this season. Uh, speaking of Akron, how about uh, Nolan Double uh, A debut coming up this season? Uh, are you guys looking forward to seeing him in A and how he uh, responds to what has been uh, universally dubbed as one of the toughest adjustment levels in all of uh, minor league development? Uh
1: Corey? Yeah, if that's true what they say about double A and it's that you can adjust to double A pitching then you're ready, then this is his time to prove it and the Indians have given him a ton of opportunities and all he's done is reward them. 289 hitter career in his, in his minor league career. Last year he had 283 in between uh, Lake County and Lynchburg with a nice 871 OPS between you know the two levels last season. So he's more than ready for that double a level and i don't think he has much left to prove an a ball so if he's as good of a hitter pro- hitting prospect as we all think he is and we all know he is this is just another step for him in this process this is just another rung on the ladder at age 20 nonetheless i mean he's he's very much a business as usual guy getting to know him a couple of years ago in mahoney valley that's just kind of how he is he's a he's he's a he's a he's an eater he Goes out to work, he takes a ton of ground balls, he has immense work ethic. It's kind of the prospect that you look for as far as character goes. And um if he produces an Akron, you know, if he hits around that two eighty nine or that uh, that two eighty nine mark and he hits two eighty and above, and he hits you know, he hit nineteen home runs last season. Let's be conservative called fifteen. Fifteen home runs, sixty RBIs in that ballpark pretty darn good. That might give him some consideration to be bumping up to Akron at the ripe age of, it would be 21 at that point. I mean, his trajectory has skyrocketed over the past couple seasons and yeah, he was always a highly coveted prospect at a high school in Pennsylvania but I don't know if anybody saw him have this kind of blinding success like he has.
0: Justin, you know, at this point uh, in in uh, Jones's career when if he gets up to a- say if he starts the year in Akron and you know, stays there for, uh, for most of not all the se- all of the season. By the end of uh, 2019, this is where we can start talking about Nolan Jones in the uh, ma- on the major league depth chart. And I'm not saying that he's going to be uh, in Cleveland at some point this year, but he's gonna from this point forward, from that point forward, that's where he's gonna we're gonna start hearing Nolan Jones and uh, major league debut in the same sentence.
2: He could move fast. I don't expect him to start the year in Double A but I also don't expect him to be at Lynchburg long because his approach is really advanced. Um, I think his biggest issue is still the platoon splits. Obviously he didn't hit left-handers well, last year, but he took his walks against left-handers and that's a good sign. And because he's able to go the other way and has power the other way, I think that's going to help him out against left-handers as he moves up. I don't know if he'll ever be really great against lefties, but I don't think he'll be unplayable against them. The biggest thing for me for Nolan Jones, though, is that his the defense came a long way last year. Early in April, you know, he tweaked his knee, and when it was cold, he wasn't very good defensively. I remember the first couple of games in Lake County. Everybody was saying, you know, there's no way this guy is staying on third base long term. He's going to be a first baseman, a DH. Um, he, he was not good early on, and and before he got promoted, he wasn't a great defender. But he was, you could clearly see he improved. Travis Ryman worked with him an awful lot over over defensively, so. The most encouraging thing for his development, to me, isn't the offense. I think we know he can hit. He takes his walks. He'll probably be a a three true come out hitter or outcome hitter uh, down the road. That's pretty much where he ends up being, I think, especially if he continues to have issues with lefties at some point. But now there's a chance he might play third base long term. He probably won't win any gold gloves. I'm not going to, you know back myself into a corner and look stupid and if he ends up you know really progressing even more defensively but he'll at least be passable at third base to where he's not going to you know actively hurt you any more than you know Lonnie Chisenhall playing third base did and I think Jones's defense or offense has a chance to be better than Chisenhall obviously
0: it's uh, very exciting to see him uh get up to the upper levels and uh m- maybe soon we could start to, as I said before start talking about him in terms of when he can help the tribe and uh it's going to be an exciting time then to start seeing another top prospect being ready to help the Indians. I don't know if he's on a uh, like a Francisco Lindor type level prospect but he's he's pretty darn good uh as far as I'm concerned uh Tyler Freeman, uh, we mentioned him earlier uh, in passing. Uh, His sophomore season is coming up in the affiliated ball ranks. And, boy, you know, you talk about a guy who's had to overcome a lot and overcame it in a big way last season with his performance at Mahoning Valley, as Corey said, you know, MVP caliber season. And really uh, just uh, tore up New York Penn League pitching from uh, start to finish. Uh, Now he's going to be entering his first full season of uh, minor league ball. Uh, what are the expectations for him heading into this season? Uh, Justin.
2: It's going to be interesting to see what he does in, in Lake County, because I'm I'm curious to see how his, his approach translates to a full year of a full season ball, because he didn't walk a lot in Mahoning Valley. He didn't strike out either. He makes a lot of contact. So, I want to see what the, the coaching staff does with his approach. Uh, and if, I don't know, Lake County, I think the Midwest League, pitching-wise, probably isn't to- a total totally different than Mahoning Valley and the New York Penn League. So I'm not sure how much it'll be a challenge for him, if that's what he did last year in Mahoning Valley. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him make the all-star team in the Midwest League. I think he's going to be playing shortstop every year. I don't know. Who else is going to be on that roster? And we know that Richard Palacios is probably out for the year, uh, maybe. And I'm trying to think who else is going to be on that roster. for Fermin
1: watch. at second base.
2: Yeah, you'll have Jose Fermin there. Fermin uh, and
1: Freeman worked well as a double play combo. They can interchange positions. Fermin can play short, and Freeman can play second if you need it.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people think Freeman's going to be there long term at second base too, but... Um, I, I assume he's going to be their everyday shortstop for the most part just because he was last year in Mahoning Valley, and I'm excited to see him put the bat on the ball because Ernie Clement was in Lake County last year very briefly, and it seemed like all he did was put the bat on the ball too, but he moved up really fast. So um, maybe that's that happens to Freeman too. If Freeman just doesn't strike out and doesn't walk and you know hits and plays continues to play shortstop, maybe he moves up fast too. I'm trying to think of who the shortstop in Lynchburg is going to be because maybe he won't be the shortstop very long.
0: Right, and uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun to watch Freeman. I'm uh, if uh, Luis Oviedo and Giancarlo Mejia were are the, my two top pitchers to watch for this year. I think that Tyler Freeman might be my top position player to watch, just based on what he did last year and how that's gonna translate into this year. It's gonna be fun to watch. Uh, Jose Fermin, just offhand, I think is another name worth keeping an eye on, and I think we mentioned him in a cutting room floor pl- piece. Uh, Yeah, you uh, made sure we did. (laughs) Yeah, it was. I think it was. I I think he's another guy, just based on how he gets on, how well he gets on base. I think he's a guy who should be worth considering for uh, some kind of. Maybe he makes the list next year, the top fifty list. I'm not saying he's like a a top ten prospect, but I think he's uh, intriguing enough to be a, a. Uh, top 50 prospect at some point in the future if he continues to show the uh, kind of on-base abilities that he has. So uh, just kind of an offside there.
2: Uh, I'll be surprised if Freeman's at Lake County all year. That's what I'll finish up with is I don't don't think he's going to be at Lake County all year either.
0: Yeah, I could see it. Uh, Corey, uh, since you saw Freeman the most last year, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, you mentioned him coming back from just a really gruesome, brutal shoulder injury and – uh, it starts to finish. It was for him last season. There weren't really big hot streaks and big cold streaks for him with the scrappers, as far as hitting's concerned. I mean, he was at the top of the league leaderboards and hitting virtually all season. And you talk about Nolan Jones's approach. I don't want to say Freeman's is better, but it's really close to Jones. It, I mean, the way he sees baseball is the way he's able to shift direction with his swing the way he's able to go outside and hit something, the way he's able to come inside and hit something, the way he's able to hit a line drive in front of the center fielder, or he's able to stretch out a, a, a gapper into the, and get a double or a triple. This is a polished hitter for his age, for age 19. And I think, yeah, I don't think he's going to be in Lake County all season. He might spend the bulk of the season in Lynchburg. I, I mean, I really do think that highly of him, but I might be a little biased because I got to see him a lot last season. But I mean, other than defensively where he might be able to prove a little bit. And I mean, at his age who couldn't improve a bit defensively, you know, I don't, I don't know what else he needs to work on. Maybe, maybe like uh, Justin said, drawing a few more walks. The good news is with that, he doesn't strike out a lot, which I think is pretty encouraging. Um, And he runs pretty well. 14 stolen bases last season. I'm curious to see how he does advance with 140 games on a schedule rather than that 76 that you see in the short season. How's his conditioning? How is he running in um, June, or not June, but let's say July? How's he running in July? Whereas the scrapper season would be a month old, he's now been playing competitive baseball at a pretty decent level for – Two months, or two and a half months, what have you. So, that's the big thing for me. It's his conditioning, and then it boils down to how he improves defensively for me as well. Because while some people do see him as a future second baseman, I don't see why they couldn't keep him at shortstop and try to develop him there.
0: Well, I mean, it, all, it all depends on you know what the position of need is, and given all their uh, glut of middle infield depth, they might see him as a second baseman just to kind of give a little no, more correct. variety. So, yeah, uh,
1: absolutely, and there's no question about the, um, there's no question about Nolan Jones' legitimacy at third, so if you're going to make it in the Indians' infield, as far as prospects concerned, it's got to be one of those at shortstop or second base. Right, so our uh, right, last uh, storyline I had, and then I'll
0: throw it over to you guys if you wanted to add any more, uh, was speaking of the outfield, uh, how the new guys, Oscar Mercado and Daniel Johnson, are going to Going to continue to develop and potentially solidify the future of the tribe outfield. Now, I think I mentioned this in a, a recent Smoke Singles podcast. I think that not just one, but I think both of these guys might be future starters for the Indians outfield moving forward. I know everybody was high on Oscar Mercado. Uh, during spring training, I thought he deserved a shot at playing every day uh, in the majors, or at least making the roster. I don't disagree with that. Uh, I think he has a lot of upside. And in digging into the numbers uh, for the hit when writing his uh, prospect uh, capsule, I was uh, only further reinstilled in those beliefs and but I also f- have some feelings about Daniel Johnson because I think you know he's a guy, very toolsy kind of player he has you know i I don't want to use the term five tools player but he has abilities in all five of those areas uh i mean obviously he has the strong throwing arm which stands out the most but uh you know he he can hit for power he can he has some speed he can hit for average uh all that stuff. So uh, I think uh, between those two, looking at them moving forward uh, as they reach AA, AAA, and then eventually to the majors, uh, what are your expectations for them moving forward, and how do you see them factoring into the uh, future outfield for the Tribe as soon as either late this season or maybe 2020? Uh, Justin, I'll uh, throw it to you this time.
2: Uh, yeah, Mercado's going to be up this year, I think, at some point. The outfield's in flux enough where I think Mercado's going to be up, especially now that we know he, specifically on this winter, worked on some swing changes, hit the ball in the air a little bit more. You know, Not necessarily a, a launch angle revolutionary, but a guy trying to hit the gaps a little bit more uh, and take advantage of his speed, plus his defense in center field. Uh, I, I also really like Daniel Johnson. I think a lot of people were when the trade happened, obviously everyone was sad to lose Gomes in the defense and probably they weren't excited to see Roberto Perez be the starting catcher um, based on batting average for the last couple of years. But same with Johnson. I think a lot of people looked at Johnson's stats and last year and didn't think he was very good. But remember he also had a broken handmade bone last year. That really saps guys power and ability to swing the bat. Well, um, when for even when they're healthy, it takes them a, a while to get that feeling back swinging the bat. So I would say don't sleep on Daniel Johnson. I'm with you. I think both those guys could be impacting the outfield uh, at the start of next season. I think we go into spring training next year, and I think both those guys have a chance to be starters in opening day.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree, and that's why I uh, wanted to include them on this list because I think both – are worth watching and i think if you're if fans are looking for if they're not necessarily interested in following prospects from a ball and you know they want to know who's going to help the tribe right now i think that uh if you want to look at two guys who are close enough to helping the tribe and having a significant impact you know you know you have guys like uh the eric haas Yu chang the guys whose names we've already uh saturated uh the fan base with, uh, everybody pretty much knows who they are at this point. If you want guys who are kind of lesser-known commodities, Oscar Mercado and Daniel Johnson, with them being newer to the organization, I think they're the next best thing behind uh, those guys in in terms of who's ready to help the Indians uh, sooner rather than later. So, uh, Corey, I'll throw it over to you now. Who are... Daniel Johnson and Oscar Mercado to you and how do you see them impacting the tribe in the uh, near future?
1: I'm really confident in Oscar Mercado and I was confident in him last season when the Indians traded Connor Cable for him. What that trade was to me at the time was the Indians looking to add depth in the upper levels and Mercado coming from the Cardinal system and that Cardinal system spits prospects out like it's nothing. He wasn't really an afterthought there, but there was some value to him coming over here. You know, the Cardinals getting younger with Capel as well. So you have a guy that can steal bases. He's stolen 50 before a season. You have a guy that plays an adequate center field. We saw what he did in spring. There's no question. He's going to be in Cleveland this season. The intrigue for me is Daniel Johnson, and it's more curiosity than anything because he did have that ham bone injury, and I wonder how he comes back from it. He missed nearly all of last season after being the 2017 Nationals Minor Leaguer of the Year, Minor League Player of the Year. That means something in a system where, at the time, Victor Robles and Juan Soto existed. Think about that one for a second. He beat those two out as far as outfielders are concerned as well for player of the year. It's impressive. So he's obviously someone the Indians think pretty decently of if they traded their longtime silver slugging hashtag don't run on Yon for. The Indians must think pretty highly of him. And if he – I'm assuming he starts at double A. That's my thinking. If he does well in double A and gets to triple A – That would be a fun outfield to watch in Columbus with him and Oscar Mercado, at least until Mercado gets the call to Cleveland. I don't think Johnson will be a a fixture in the Indians outfield this season, but given some contract stuff and given some performance stuff, looking at you, uh, Mr. Tyler Tyler Naquin. (laughs) Yeah, no, I had it. I got it. Looking at you, Tyler Naquin, and, you know, Cargo's on a minor league deal. They're going to need some depth options within the next couple seasons. And right there, you got Mercado, who's, who looked good at, in a flash in spring training. He still has to prove it, you know, further. But if Johnson is anything like the Nationals thought of him, and if he's anything like he was before he had that hamate bone injury, this is a steal of a deal for the Indians. This is a starting, you know, corner outfielder at minimum with some great speed, imagine Mercado with the speed he has and Johnson with the speed he has running around in that outfield with a Bradley Zimmer. That's a defensive dream for a manager who's, who's getting base hits out in that outfield. You
0: know, uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier with the, all the youth that's been injected into this farm system, I am taking back to what we were talking about uh, several weeks ago on smoke signals. You know, we were trying to put a finger on what the Indians' overall strategy was this off season, and I think we kind of arrived at the conclusion that maybe you know they were just gonna roll the dice on this season, thinking that they you know they have enough talent to obviously still win the division, uh, and then just see what happens in October. But beyond that, you know, that's frustrating to see you know them not. Cut pay- payroll and then not add any uh, supplemental talent uh, on trades or in free agency. But what they did do very well this offseason is they got younger and they, as I said, they in, uh, brought some youth into this, uh, into their prospect ranks and. Namely, with Mercado and, and Johnson. I mean, I know Mercado was a trade from last year, but over the course, I think, of the last year, between the trades they've made, the dr- the draft, obviously, and then the international signings, and just going back to what we were talking about at the start of the show, uh, this prospect ranking list we have right now, the overall farm system, I think, is younger And while it doesn't rate very highly among the top farm systems in baseball right now, because, you know, you lose Francisco Mejia and you see guys like Shane Bieber and Greg Allen and those types make it up to the majors graduating from that list and from the uh, farm system. But at the same time, you know, you look at guys like George Valera, Gabriel Rodriguez, all these young uh, Bo Naylor and uh, Ethan Hankins, Lenny Torres, all these younger guys who haven't quite uh, panned out to their full prospect form yet, there's a lot of sleepers for not only being top prospects for the Indians, but potentially top prospects in all baseball. I think I saw one publication that said there's a lot of... Well, this, the Indians' farm system isn't ranked very highly right now. There's a lot of uh, future top 100 prospect sleepers right now. So, uh Just kind of bring it full circle back to Oscar Mercado and Daniel Johnson. I think that that's one example of proving that their strategy of trying to get younger and plan more for the future while trying to maintain, albeit not very well, a uh, competitive major league squad, I think is something that the Indians have done very well uh, lately. And I hope that they continue to do so in order to sustain their uh, competitive edge longer and... You know, while they might not, they're not going to have Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, and the rest of the starting pitching forever, maybe they can start to build something around Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger, Shane Bieber, and and try to uh, be competitive in the future. So uh, I know that that was kind of a big roundabout way to come back to this, but I uh, I thought it was worth uh, mentioning there. So uh, any uh, any storylines that you guys want to throw in that I didn't possibly mention? Uh, Uh, Corey, is there anything, uh, any specific prospects or anything concerning a group of prospects or an affiliate, anything that uh, you are looking forward to watching this year?
1: Yeah, Adam Plutko. I know he's the, so to speak, sixth man when it comes to the rotation. What kind of a role does he play in Cleveland this year? What kind of a role does he play in Columbus? How many trips down I-71 and back up I-71 does he take? I don't, I don't know if having Adam Plucko, kind of some of the points you were talking about about rebuilding a roster, you know, and I know there's been rumors floated around about Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer in trade talks. How expendable does that make Kluber or Bauer, given that Adam Plucko is waiting down in Columbus? What does the organization think of Adam Plucko? Do they think of him enough to deal one of those two midseason? for him to come up and be the fifth starter. I mean, we've talked about it, one through five, pound for pound, best rotation in baseball, potentially five of the best seven starters in the AL Central individually. So where does Plucko fit into all of this? I don't want to keep a guy like him shelved in the minor leagues for his whole career because, number one, he's going to start getting disgruntled. Number two, I don't know how well that does for his psyche. I mean, I don't know how much more he has to prove in the minor leagues. So what kind of a piece do the Indians see Plucko as? I mean, I'm intrigued to see his path in 2019.
0: Yeah, right now it most likely will be the same, the six-starter – kind of a guy who comes up in a doubleheader and pitches game two or maybe even comes up and works out of the bullpen for a little period of time. But other than that, yeah, I see him in Columbus. And it'll be interesting to see if they decide to trade one of the starters, which, you know, I'm sure is going to go over well with the fan base uh, in midseason. But uh, Paul
1: Dolan could sneeze and it won't go over well with the fan base.
0: Very true. That's
2: a good point. That's a good point. (laughs) Very true.
0: Very true. But yeah, I I do think that, you know, Pleco probably long term is is not going to be in the most effective major league pitcher. Um, But I think that for half a season or whatever it may be, maybe even a full season as a number five starter, I think he could be a serviceable arm. And it'll it'll be interesting to see that moving forward. Uh, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Justin, any storylines uh, not previously mentioned that you are interested in following?
2: There's a bunch, but uh, at least I'm interested in seeing what relievers end up cycling through and getting to the chance to be in the, in the Indians bullpen because I think that's I think that's kind of a reason the Indians. I mean, aside from the money thing, let's be honest. But um, aside from the the money part of it, I think. Part of the plan was to see what options they have in the minor leagues that can pitch in the bullpen. Um, you know, does Dalbert Siri put it together? Does Henry Martinez put it together and help out? James Karinczyk, If I, I'm, I'm convinced right now, if James Korinchik could throw strikes on a consistent basis, he could be in the bullpen tomorrow. I, I like James Korinchek that much. Uh, Nick Sandlin, I think, will be the first reliever on that list I just talked about that has a chance to get there because we thought it would happen last year. Um I'm really interested to see if any of those guys have a chance to make their debuts this year. I'd like to see them move Aaron Saval or Wei Hu um, and who else? Jeffrey Rodriguez, or I guess Cody Anderson too, but he's not a prospect. I'd like to see those guys all pitch in the bullpen and and have a chance to impact the Indians bullpen because they need high end arms. I don't, I don't trust that they're going to get through the whole year with, with Dan Otero and, and Neil Ramirez and Oliver Perez and, Tyler Olsen, and I have high hopes for John Edwards, but I don't really know where that might go. So they're going to need one of those guys, and I'm really curious to see which of them has a chance to make an impact at the major league level this year. Also, I wanted to bring this up too, because I completely overlooked it over the offseason, and Jake, you were the one who really pushed for him to be on the list. Um, Or maybe we didn't get him on here. Kirk McCarty. People are really high on Kirk McCarty. I, I don't think we had him on the list at all. Um, that's another guy too that um, a lot of guys are talking about. Yeah, I'm.
0: I am a huge Kirk McCarty fan based on what he did in the second half last year. I mean, he was. I mean, he did make our top fifty prospect list. I definitely lobbied for him to be on the list and. You know, with Todd Isaac's being released from the organization, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's where uh, Kirk McCarty uh, joins the uh, t- t- the top fifty countdown.
2: Should we do the top fifty now?
0: <laughs> yeah, let's go back and uh, and start from scratch and uh, redo this. Uh, but yeah, looking at just Kirk McCarty's second half performance, I mean, his overall numbers are not that great when you look at look at it from afar. You know, I, I mean, they're not t- terrible, but they're not kind of top prospect numbers you're looking for 5 and 11 406 era and 27 starts but when you break it down though and split it between the two halves i mean in a in high a ball he had uh in high a ball he had a a 312 era and four starts uh and or and uh actually that's that's wrong i'm sorry a 319 era and five starts but really when you combine his uh his, first, his second half in Lake County with uh, his late season run in Lynchburg. It's re- That's really where it uh, looks really impressive as far as his numbers go. I'm just pulling up his page now and his splits. Uh, second half a- after the All-Star break, he was just a f- about as, as good, pitched about as well as anybody else in the farm system. And... The, those numbers looked something like a two fifty three e r a in fourteen starts he had a two thirty eight batting average against uh he struck out ninety batters in eighty one and two thirds innings he's a big strikeout guy he was on pace i believe and i justin you might be able to confirm this for me he was on pace to like break the lake county single season strikeout record at one point so uh at least that's what i had I remember hear, remembered hearing at one point during the season. So, I think just between his ability to uh, rebound from a first half, which looked more like a, a one in five five ninety eight ERA and thirteen starts, where uh, you know giving up hits and some command issues were really a problem, uh, if he can rebound, if he can continue to uh, pick up where he left off from last season in the second half, I think you you could be looking at a guy who's uh, top prospect material because. Uh, he's proven to be durable. He's reliable. He goes out there every time and gives you uh, gives you some innings. Um, he's got good strikeout stuff. I think that uh, he has the makings of, of a top prospect. So, yeah, thanks for bringing him up. I, I feel bad uh, not mentioning him uh, before in the uh, storylines. I think he's if, – uh, if Luis Oviedo and Giancarlo Mejia are my top two pitchers, I think I would slot in McCarty as number three. So uh, any other anything else you wanted to add on that, Justin? I didn't mean to cut you off on that.
2: No, no, you're fine. I, I just wanted to talk about Kurt McCarty because he made a couple of the top prospects list and obviously didn't make ours. So I thought it was worth noting that there are a lot of other places that are high on him, and he did get his fastball up into the slow low 90s last year, like 92, 93, um, where he in college was sitting at about 88, 89. Uh, I think we're – are we still getting to the stock report because I can hold off one thing. Until later, too.
0: Yeah, we'll be getting to that right toward the end here, talking about whose who's stock we should buy, be buying in on and whose we should be uh, selling on. Uh, before we get to that, though, there's a couple more things I wanted to discuss. Uh, we already mentioned, kind of in passing there, uh, you mentioned about some of the relievers uh, who are slated to potentially impact the Indians this year, the likes of Henry Martinez, Nick Sandlin, Shi Wei Hu, Jeffrey Rodriguez, maybe even uh uh Dalbert Siri on a lower reach down in a double A ball. Uh some of the other players are slated to help the Indians this year potentially Eric Haas we mentioned, Yu Chang we mentioned, uh Oscar Mercado we mentioned. Uh of those guys, do you think who do you think has the biggest shot of helping the Indians this year? Uh, and who do you think may, has the biggest impact? And uh, if there's anybody else on the list who we I neglected to mention there, who else do you think could be on there? I know that's a lot to throw at you, but uh, if you want to go ahead and uh, answer as best you can, uh, Corey.
1: All right. There are a ton of names that you can think about when it comes to a under-the-radar kind of player, when it comes to a prospect that maybe hasn't, been on that radar quite yet but when you have a ton of depth at this position a lot of people can get lost in the shuffle one of the more intriguing storylines for me is how this organization still values tyler krieger who was a highly coveted player out of a really good school in clemson and has since been kind of revolutionized and revamped and redone as an outfielder so how are the indians going to value krieger now are they going to continue to value him as a platoon player we know that we know how the organization likes to take players and put them in different positions with all this outfield depth that we've talked about with um guys like johnson and mercado just to start there Do they see Krieger as a corner outfielder? Do they see him as a second baseman? We've talked about the middle infield depth with guys like um, Tyler Freeman and Ernie Clement, and there's way more to talk about there. Is Tyler Krieger still on that forefront? And is he still valued highly by the organization? I think how he performs this season is a really, I don't want to say a do or die scenario, but For a guy that was highly drafted and moved really oddly through the system, uh, to my knowledge, he didn't log a bat in Mahoning Valley. He went from the Arizona League right to Lake County. I'm curious to see what the organization does with Tyler Krieger this season. And I think he knows that there's competition coming up from the rear right now and that might have even passed him. So we'll see if he plays with some kind of chip on his shoulder this year.
0: Yeah, he should be in Columbus, by all accounts. He's already got two years under his belt in Akron, and he really right. rebounded nicely last year. I mean, you know, he, his season wasn't like the season he had in Lake County uh, a couple years ago when he made his uh, affiliated ball debut. But, uh, you know, he, he was pretty solid, and since moving to the outfield, I think he's got some uh, real potential as either fourth outfield type, maybe a bench type because he can play the infield as well. Uh uh, interesting interesting prospect. Uh, I don't know how much upside he has hitting-wise, but uh, definitely, I think, looked better once he moved to the outfield and I think kind of revamped his prospect value somewhat. Uh, Justin, anybody on that list who stands out to you?
2: Definitely Oscar Mercado. Uh, I think he's the easy answer to who's going to help just because the outfield's in flux. Uh, I think I mentioned a couple of these guys earlier, so I might have I might have gotten us ahead um, on the topic. I think I'm really interested to see if Yu Chang makes it up this year just because I know we don't really know the specifics of Francisco Lindor's ankle injury in addition to his calf issue, but the longer he's out, the more interested I am to see if they're going to give Yu Chang a shot because, not that I dislike Eric statements, but for a week that's fine. Even if it's stupid enough to not want to burn Yu Chang's service time for a whole week. Maybe they just didn't want to bring him up and send him back down and, you know, give him negative vibes or something. I don't know. But if, if Francisco Lindor is like out until mid-May, I really feel like they need to give real consideration to Yu Chang playing shortstop.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, we mentioned in the last smoke signals, we were kind of surprised that he didn't get more of a shot to make the major league club and, uh, I think that he's a guy that that was sent down prior to the ankle injury. And depending on the results of this, uh, visit to a specialist, which already kind of makes me nervous that he's seeing a specialist for a sprained ankle. But, uh, I think we could see serious consideration for Yu Chang. Then again, you know, they have Brad Miller too. Maybe they just ride out the string with the veteran, but, and as along with a guy like Max Moroff, but, uh, I think that Chang should get some consideration to play up in Cleveland as long the longer that Lindor is out. So, uh just to give some more upside there cuz you know, we know what Brad Miller is all about. We also even though he hasn't played much in the majors, we kind of know what Eric Stamets is all about. Um and I don't know what to expect from Max Moroff at this point uh other than the fact that I know that his his value has kind of gone down since uh in the last couple of years since he was a prospect. Uh, So, yeah, I think Chang probably provides the most upside of all those guys. Um, I'm going to go with you, uh, Justin, in in terms of the bullpen because I think the Indians do have some interesting names to work with. I think that uh, between Jeffrey Rodriguez, Chiwe, who who I know are starters but I think have a long-term future in the bullpen, and then Henry Martinez and Nick Sandlin, I think all these guys have really uh, interesting profiles for – the Major League bullpen. And I'm honestly surprised that Martinez didn't get more of a chance to uh, prove himself in Major League camp this year. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him make the tribe at some point. I wouldn't be surprised to see Sandlin make the tribe at some point. And same goes for Rodriguez and and who, although they'll be working mostly as starters in Columbus. So just to kind of echo that sentiment, I think think this uh, group hinges mostly on pitching, and more specifically the bullpen. Although I do like uh, Mercado and Chang and Haas as far as the position players uh, most likely to make a major league impact. So uh, Before we get to that stock report, though, that I wanted to kind of finish off the show with, a um, couple of uh, news to, uh, stories to note. Uh, injury updates, Tristan McKenzie out indefinitely Potentially up to six weeks is something I saw, uh, with an upper back strain, uh, Richie Palacios, this is unconfirmed by the organization, but there are reports circulating that he had a labrum tear in his shoulder that required surgery, and we all know that that could be very serious as well, possibly season ending, so we might not see him this year, which is unfortunate, given the upside he's shown, um, Any thoughts on uh, these key injuries here? McKenzie, with the uh, upper back strain, we know he's had a couple of uh, injury issues the last couple of years. Unrelated, fortunately. I guess there's a civil rallying to that. But, you know, we've talked about his body type and him not having much mass to his frame. Uh, Are there going to be injury issues chronically throughout his career? I mean, I'm not saying that this is a sign of it, these seem relatively minor as far as injuries go but um it's something to be wary of and kind of to you know keep your spidey sense on as far as his uh future is concerned uh what do you guys think of uh both of these injuries uh justin
2: i'm not too worried about mckenzie number one i think obviously they were going to limit his innings again anyway they're going to continue to limit his innings I was kind of hoping they would give a little bit of thought to putting McKenzie in the bullpen at some point this year to get him acclimated to the major leagues, just because I think that's would be a good role for him, especially being around the starting staff the Indians have. It'd be good to get see him, you know, what the, those guys' work habits at, at the big league level, especially before they trade one of them this offseason. season. Um, but I'm not really worried long term about the back injury for McKenzie. At least it's not an arm injury. He had the uh, forearm injury last year. That was super concerning. I think he'll be you know, back in May or June and he'll be fine. The uh, Palacios one's real disappointing if that ends up being true because he looked. Was it him or Delgado, I think, that was up in Lake County last year? It looked real good. So It was Palacios. Uh, it was
0: Yeah, Delgado. Delgado was in Arizona all year.
2: Yeah, so Palacios, I, I remember. I remember. I I couldn't remember. It was such a long year last year. Um, I remember him looking pretty good early on with with the captain. So that's a real bummer because it would have been a fun infield to see him and uh, Freeman together. But that, that that probably keeps him out for the year. That's that's a real bummer, especially because he was a highly thought of prospect.
1: Corey, any uh, anything to add on that? Yeah, Palacios, for me, that injury really stings. I think McKenzie, if you told me that a 21-year-old, six-foot-five, 165, listed, who throws 90-plus miles an hour, has back problems, wouldn't shock me. But you get a guy like Richie Palacios, who was drafted high last year out of college, had a really successful college career at Towson, um, drafted in the third round, made his way up to Mahoning Valley, absolutely raked in that scrappers lineup, I believe he hit around 400 before he was promoted, not 400. He was somewhere around that line. Uh, I mean, he just absolutely hit the cover off the ball and got that promotion. And then he went down fairly quickly uh, and had a little bit of trouble in that captain's lineup. But um, I think having him as one of those depth options would be spectacular, especially in, Lake County where you could play Freeman for Palacios and some sort of rotation up the middle. And then whoever, you know, Henry Pujols, whoever they would want a third that scrappers roster last year. You know, they won the Pinky division. Once again, he was one of those really important pieces in the beginning of the season when he first arrived from college ball. And for those 20 some games that he played in Mahoning Valley, He was a star. He was a stud. So really simple approach at the plate, really simplified swing. A lot of people talk about uh, Tyler Freeman and his approach and how he's just compact. He, He is quick to the ball. He throws his hands out. That's exactly what Palacios does. He gets in the box. He sits there. He waits. He waits. He waits. And then he snaps, and he hits something. That's gap or that's line drive-esque most of the time. So losing him in his development, and I hope it's not for a whole year. I mean, if the injury is anything like what we've read up and what we've heard, then it's probably going to be a whole year. And for a guy coming out of college with a lot of promise like that, that's a big bump to service time, and that's a big bump to development. And I wonder how that's going to reset him going forward.
0: Yeah, so, uh, if it is, if this is the case, everything we've heard is true, and all indications seem to point that way, even though the organization hasn't confirmed it yet, just wanted to make sure to make that clear, uh, we do wish both of them the best in their recovery, and hopefully that, uh, they'll both be on the field sooner rather than later, um, kind of to stick with the kind of downer theme, I don't want to end on a low note here, so, uh, how about the organizational releases? Always a tough time of year at the end of spring training when guys get released from their uh, development contracts and become minor league free agents. And some of them, you know, some of them are able to latch on with other organizations. Others, you know, that could be the end of their career. So uh, it's hard time of uh, the spring and uh, – Hard to say goodbye to some of these guys, especially some of these bigger names. This year we saw guys like uh, Todd Isaacs, Grant Hawken, Leandro Linares, Emmanuel Tapia, uh, Simeon Lucas, Michael Minyard, Elvis Perez, Erlen Cerda Michael Tinsley, Eric Algarin, and Adoni Carey. Uh, all uh leaving the organization now as they've been released. Uh, some big names on this list. You know, some guys have had injury issues. Some guys, you know, had high upside but just never panned out. Uh, any thoughts on any names in particular that stand out to you on this list? I know Todd Isaacs is a big one because he was on our top 50 list at number 48 uh, heading into uh, the season. So uh I'll throw it over to you, Justin, since – uh Isaacs was a big name on the list, and there's a lot of guys who you've probably seen over time in uh, uh, the low A-ball levels.
2: Yeah, Emmanuel Tapia wasn't a surprise. He hit a bunch of home runs in Lake County, and a couple people got excited, and you could easily tell that was not going to stick. Not to you know, you know, make things worse for him getting released, but you could tell that wasn't going to be a fit. Uh, Todd Isaacs is kind of a surprise. Yeah, he was not really a high pick, but a, you know an interesting prospect in the system. Trey Gant got released, too. He wasn't around very long, so I'm kind of surprised by that, too. Yeah, how's they kid? Yeah, they've shuffled a lot of guys around the outfield in Lake County over the last couple of years, so that must make me think that Gabriel Mejia is coming back to Lake County this year again if they released all those guys. They seem to like Elvis Perez quite a bit. I was kind of su- kind of surprised, and... Uh, Francisco Lopez actually, um, is a kind of a, I think if I'm thinking of the same kid who was in Lake County, maybe it was last year.
0: No, I, I thought that too. It's not the same guy.
2: It's not the same guy. Okay. left not left-handed pitcher.
0: No, it's not him. Oh,
2: okay. So there's two, they have two of them in the system or am I thinking of someone else?
0: I think you're, it's, who's, yeah, who's the other
2: guy? Francisco Perez, I'm thinking of. Okay, yes. I was going to say Francisco Perez was was pretty wasn't anything special, but he was pretty solid. I would have been surprised if they released him. So yeah, out of that whole list, um, well, obviously you know Grant Hawken being a high pick, and I think he's had his second Tommy John. I know we have we weren't really sure about that. And then uh, Michael Maniard was a high pick too, and everybody was really excited about his potential, being you know six foot six and this big bodied pitcher who couldn't throw 90 miles an hour, so uh, unfortunate for him, he never could throw strikes either. The rest of the guys in this list, they've been around for quite a while, and Linares was kind of a big deal, and just never could make it stick either, but the rest of this list, these guys have been around for a bit, and just, you know, never, unfortunately got their footing, and never could move things in the right direction. Hopefully, this is not the end of their career, you know, the Atlant- the Atlantic League is testing out some weird new rules, so I'm sure they're going to be looking for a lot of people when pitchers inevitably get hurt with the mound moving back. So I'm sure the Jeez. careers aren't over in baseball.
0: Oh my goodness. I, I don't even want to go into that. We'll probably discuss that off the air, but, uh, <laughs> oh gosh. So up uh, staying on topic though. Corey, any thoughts on these guys being released?
1: Yeah. Hawkins with the multiple surgeries. He was a pretty highly coveted prospect out of the draft. What twenty fourteen? He was drafted in the second round. If I'm,
2: I think he was a comp. He was a comp B pick. I think.
1: Yeah, if my memory serves correctly, really high. Um, we we were a big Todd Isaac's house here, and then Indians released him. Like he was a cool guy to be around, and a cool guy to talk to, and always had a positive attitude about the game. Real good clubhouse guy, from what I took. So that one stings a bit personally, I suppose. But you know, some of these guys it's not surprising when you look at some of the stuff they've done in their careers and rather what they haven't done. Um, I, I have specific names in mind, but I won't tag anyone on that, but I thought, l- letting go with Todd. Eis is a little surprising. Get a little too soon, perhaps. Um, I know a late flyer pick out of Ohio state and, uh, I know how Cleveland sports fans are with Ohio state picks. So there you go. You can sulk over that one if you want. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's Hawkin I wish he turned it around because he had a lot of problems coming out of the draft. Yeah, it's that's probably
0: the most unfortunate one to me cuz you hate seeing a guy lose his job uh and possibly his livelihood over injuries, but it it's uh just hard to, you know, maintain and keep the guy justify keeping a guy in around organization who's only getting older and has yet to pitch above low a ball because of injuries and uh i wish him all the best hope he's able to catch on somewhere else and remain healthy but uh yeah that's that's unfortunate uh, isaacs is unfortunate Linares was a lot had a lot of money invested in him you know he was the bigger name uh that signing period uh over Yandi Diaz who is now in the majors of course with the Rays and i believe had an rbi double today or...
2: it was a ground ball double though it wasn't a fly ball so oh
0: okay so it's, it's uh, vintage vintage yandi diaz then. <laughs> so uh <laughs> anyway okay. it wasn't a launch angle double <laughs> anyway uh
2: just a to... walk against uh verlander so there is that
0: true but yeah, some of these uh, some of these names have been in the system forever. I mean, Simeon Lucas, Earl and Elvis Perez <clears throat> these these guys have been around a while, and then Isaac's obviously too. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, with all these new names coming in um, from international signings, from the draft, and seeing how young, how much younger the farm system is getting, I think that it was pretty much inevitable that we would probably see a larger group of these guys get released this year. So that seems to be the case. And again, we wish these guys all the best moving forward. So uh, let's finish off the show on kind of a high note here, hopefully uh, with the stock report. Uh, I think that uh, everybody who follows the system is closely as we do, kind of has their prospects that they're high on, and ones that uh, you know they're, they're maybe everybody else is rating highly, but they don't see much upside uh, personally from their perspective. Uh, so I'll throw it to you guys. Nice. Uh, first, of all, first of all, I'll throw it to you and, and uh, talk to, about the uh, guys whose stock is falling. So we don't have to end on such a, a low note. I'll start with that one, and then we can start with uh and with the ones whose. Uh, Stock is rising, who we should buy in on. Uh, So whose stock in your mind is falling and who do you think, you know, we should be selling on if they were being traded on the market? Um,
1: Corey, I'll start with you. Unless he starts hitting and not just home runs, I got to start thinking about Will Benson. And I know last year was a real down year for him, but if he hits around that Mendoza line and – realistically if it's home run or bust for him being a first round former first round pick he got knocked down significantly i believe he was in the top 10 in our rankings last year and now he's outside of the top 20 that's a significant drop so i was i was a little harsh on will benson at the end of last season just because i had higher expectations for him if He is anything like he was in 2018, and that's a 20-plus home run guy, but he hits below 200. I don't know if I'd be okay with that. I I might have to peg him out of that top 30 if that's another season, uh, if that's another realistic season for him. Someone who I might have higher on this list would be an Ernie Clement. He's listed at 27, which... In, in some sort of vacuums that may seem pretty low uh, or pretty high. Rather, I think it's kind of low for him guy that could just hit the cover off the ball, not power, not big power, but contact to all fields. He plays adequate defense in both shortstop and second. I think he's worth more than 27th overall, but I understand why, because you look at the depth of middle infielders around him, Palacios, Braco, um, Gabriel Rodriguez, There's a lot of guys that are ahead of him for pretty correct reasons as far as the younger uh, crop of prospects is concerned. So those are my two I'm keeping my eye eye on this season. All right, Justin.
2: Okay, so we're starting with negative. Yeah. Um, Ooh. Well, I'm going to go stock falling. I expect him to be, unless things change for him, I expect him to be next spring a guy we talk about being released unfortunately, is Juan Hillman, uh, dropped out of our top 50 this year. Uh, he just hasn't put it all together. He had stretches last year in Lake County where he looked like he was finally putting it together. Uh, he's still not throwing over 90 miles an hour, uh, but he was supposed to be an advanced prospect when the Indians drafted him that was supposed to be kind of a command and field guy, even though he didn't throw hard. But it was supposed to have kind of an advanced arsenal and approach, and he's never put anything together other than a few stretches you know there was time last year where he would kind of blow up in the first inning and he'd be great the rest of the game wouldn't give up a hit even at, at times or there were times where he would be great early on and the fifth inning would come and it would just fall apart and then there were games where he just never made it out of the first inning he was never consistent but he showed flashes if if things don't change for him this year I have a I have a hard time seeing how he's going to be in the system next year, given how many young pitchers they have coming along. Unfortunately.
0: Okay, um, and since Corey went ahead and did both, uh, why don't you go ahead and give us who your uh, who you're buying in on this year?
2: Uh, it's going to be a guy we got into the, into the rankings late. You and I, I didn't have him ranked initially. But after doing some further digging, we, we decided to add him late. Uh, Raymond Burgos, who was kind of a mid-round pick a couple years ago, uh, big kid, he's 6'5", 6'6", was real kind of tall and lanky, kind of like McKenzie, not quite as thin, but almost to that from the left side. He actually put on some weight over the offseason, and he's throwing 94, 95, and there's a good chance that he could wind up in Lake County this year uh at at some point and i think that's a guy that you're gonna see start burgeoning this year and getting higher on lists when when guys get a look at him he scouts and a lot of evaluators who were just waiting for him to add some weight and velocity thought that he could be a fast riser and now that the weight is there and he is ticking up velocity i think that's a guy you're going to hear a lot about more as the summer goes along
0: okay um i think that uh He's a guy definitely worth keeping an eye on. I don't know a ton about him, as I'm sure a lot of people don't, uh, but definitely some encouraging things to hear about his uh, his future. As far as me, oh my goodness, you guys took both of my f- first two answers uh, between uh, Will Benson and Juan Hillman. I definitely think those guys' stock is falling and falling fast. Um, uh, Benson, I think, still has some salvageable upside I don't know if Juan Hillman does at this point just because he hasn't shown anything worth uh building around you know as you said the velocity hasn't come around he hasn't shown any kind of long stretches of being dominant and with his stuff and you know being consistent with his conditioning and being able to really work through the uh the the grinding rigors of a full season so that's where I think he gets hung up so uh, I, whereas Benson, I think, is still young enough and athletic enough to be able to make something. And As we knew, knew coming in, he was a very raw talent and really needed some polishing to become a legitimate prospect. And there's still a lot of work to do, but I think, you know, his stock is falling, definitely, but I think that there's still something that could be salvaged. Um, as far as my guy, if I wanted to pick something different, uh, I think I'm going to... I think I might have to go with Logan Ice just because, you know, I don't see much of anything really worth uh, talking about with him. You know, he might be a solid catcher, maybe a solid backup in the future, but he doesn't have much upside at the plate, hasn't shown much upside at the plate. Um, And I think I'm going to go with him over guys like uh, Brady Aiken and uh, Quentin Holmes who, you know, their stock is, I think, is falling, but I don't want to, you know, Get down on guys who have had injury issues, and both of them have missed a lot of time because of injuries and uh, and uh, other issues. So, uh, based on strictly on uh, performance, I think that Logan Ice might be my pick for that. If I'm gonna have to go with uh, somebody different from who you two guys had, and the guy I'm buying into, I think as uh, the guy I just mentioned uh, earlier, or actually Justin mentioned. I neglected to bring it up before Kirk McCarty I think is the guy you need to uh, buy into and him and I think maybe Jose Fermin I I, uh, think I'm a pretty big Jose Fermin fan based on what I saw last year from the numbers and how he gets on base and I think it's worth uh, watching him this year to see what he does so McCarty and Fermin kind of a two way tie there for me uh, in terms of that so uh Yeah, that's uh, guys to watch out for, and next week uh, we'll be previewing the affiliates when the rosters come out, and we'll be discussing those in more detail once we know who's going to be where and kind of giving people an idea of why they should be following which affiliates specifically and who's going to be worth watching when they go see the games. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun tell you what guys it's been a great show uh we covered a lot of ground it's great to be talking prospects again it's always fun it's always fun talking prospects you know we do the smoke signals podcast you know you're up you're down with the indians there's good news there's bad news not there's not good news and bad news with the uh minor league stuff too but overall i think that there's a more fun vibe consistently when you're talking prospects so that's why it's so much fun to talk to you guys and uh be able to uh break down the indians farm system and hopefully provide some insight for the people who are listening and uh i just want to say thanks to everybody who's been supporting us and continuing to support us uh into our fourth season hard to believe we've been doing this four years already we're starting to become a uh a real uh staple here on uh ibi and hopefully in the uh local sports podcasting community as well but we need your help the to grow that, so uh, be sure to subscribe and share on iTunes, and we're gonna try to get this out on maybe Spotify and try to get to some other platforms as well to uh, mm-hmm. suit, to uh, spread the word and get you guys uh, the podcast and prospect talk that you need.
1: Nobody has the prospect breakdown like we do. Believe me, echoing our the tone of our president. I'm not saying I'm not endorsing that RT is not endorsement. Um, (laughs) But seriously, I mean, if you want prospect breakdown all season long, it's not just me, Jake and Justin. There are reporters at literally every affiliate. And by the way, shameless plug, except, except that there's no shame at all. We are looking for writers, videographers, photographers, anybody interested in getting into sports media shoot one of us tweets or DM us or there's, there's a post on the IBI site about it. If you are in college and you're looking for credit, hit us up because we could use you. Um, I, I could speak from experience. I covered the scrappers when I was a student at Youngstown state back in, I started in 2015 and you're not going to take my job here, but here I am now. That's worth something. I think, um, you could cover the Clippers, you could cover the Rubber Ducks, the Captains, even in Virginia. If you're in Lynchburg, Virginia, or around Lynchburg, Virginia, and you're looking for sports media experience, the Hillcats are right there. We're, we're looking for people, I think especially in Lynchburg, to cover the Hillcats because uh, it's easy for us here in Ohio to get to Lake County or get to Mahoning Valley or get to Akron or even Columbus to see – the Indians prospects firsthand, but it's not easy to just get in the car and drive to Lynchburg, Virginia. Although Jake has done it over a weekend. And for what I hear from his experiences, it's beautiful there. Oh, absolutely. So that's something to plug for. I feel for us is that if you are interested in something like that, hit us up ASAP. The minor league seasons are rolling around internship credit. We can organize that for you. I did that when I was at YSU covering the scrappers. It works. And, um, it gives you a chance at pl- plenty of opportunities, and these minor league affiliates really like the exposure. It, it may not, it may sound ridiculous because it's professional baseball, but if you go into Mahoney Valley and you write player features and you get invested in that team and that organization, people notice that, and uh, it'll, it'll help you build up your brand and your following, and who knows? It could even parlay you into other things in the sports f- media field. So just wanted to put that out there real quick. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, we are definitely still looking for people. So, uh, <clears throat>
0: yeah, if you're in any of the areas where uh, an Indians minor league affiliate is uh, based, be sure to hit us up. And if you're interested in covering a team as a writer, as a photographer, videographer, we definitely could uh, use your talents. So uh, be sure to uh, hit us up there or... On uh, Twitter, I'm at Jake D Baseball. Justin's at JL underscore baseball. You can hit us up for that. You can also follow Corey on Twitter at C D CDKristen. Uh, hit us all up to talk prospects. We're always willing and able to answer any prospect questions you have to the best of our abilities. We really try to uh, build up our knowledge and expertise on the farm system as much as we can just so we can uh, provide some insight for you. And uh, – hopefully help you learn more some more about the farm system and who the future stars of the Indians could be. So, uh, we definitely appreciate the follows and always uh, love engaging in in some good prospect talk on social media. So, uh, also be sure to follow the show account at, uh, smoke signals, IBI, all the show links, uh, poll questions, everything else you can find there. Um, and follow the, uh, IBI account to at official underscore IBI the links to all the stories and content breaking news everything else you can find at that uh, handle as well Uh, final thoughts guys Uh, what do you got before we uh, close up shop here Uh, Justin
2: Mm, well keep reading the countdown it's almost done well my previews next week I'm going to be at captain's media day on Tuesday the day after opening day I'm looking for I haven't been to captain's media day actually in a couple of years and I got the day off from my full-time job to be there. So I'm excited for that. Um, and then I'll be a captain's opening day on Thursday next week. So actually next Thursday and Friday, I'm going to be at the captain's games and then I have Indians tickets next Saturday. So it's going to be a whole week of baseball coming up next week.
1: About time.
2: Yeah. I'm looking forward to just forgetting the winter happened and then just throwing myself into baseball all year.
0: Absolutely. It's great to have uh, Major League Baseball back. Minor League Baseball will soon follow and uh, it's going to be fun to watch the prospects. Final thoughts, Corey?
1: I say this every year at the preview show or the start of the season. If you're just a baseball fan and you want to get out for an evening for a couple hours and you just want to go get an experience somewhere, you know, I talked about a few minutes ago about how all except one of the Indians minor league affiliates are in Ohio, Columbus, and then Akron Mahoning Valley, which are an hour away from each other. And then Lake County, which if you're where I'm at in the, in the Mahoning Valley, it's not that far of a drive. You know, it's, it's about the drive to Cleveland. Um, even if you're near Cleveland, Lake County's right there. Akron's a shot down the highway, not that far. And then once the scrappers get going, if you're so inclined point is, you hear us talk about this weekly with this podcast, and it's that here's these prospects, here's where they're at, here's what they're doing, here's how the organization views them, etc. Go see it for yourself. It's first of all, it's cheap. If you if you if you're listening to this and you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend who you guys are just looking to get out, go see a game. Go to the go see the captains or go see the rubber ducks or go see the scrappers or the or the clippers, and then you don't have to be so invested in the team. That's the thing about minor league baseball. I think people get afraid of is that there's so many players and you may not know who they are. Well, first of all, that's why we're here to inform you and to educate in some ways, but also it gives you that chance to learn something fresh and learn something new. You know, I think minor league baseball in nature is a learning experience, whether it's the prospects developing their games and learning something new about themselves, or it's the fan base learning about, Here's the up and comers coming up in the Cleveland Indian system. You know, Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, they were a double play combo at Lake County a few years a few years back. Um you, you look at guys that are pitching right now at the end. Shane Bieber was a scrapper three years ago, and now he's the fifth guy in that rotation, and a pretty darn good one, too. I'm not saying you have to get to a game, but think about you it. Have to. And <laughs> yeah. You kind of do. But think about it. I mean, it's not expensive. You're learning something. You're getting experiences. And these minor league – I could speak from being in a minor league baseball organization. I was with the Scrappers for a bit last year. And Jake, I know you spent time with the Rubber Ducks. It really is an experience that these organizations run separately and they try to put their best show out there. And a lot of them do a really good job of making it fun. So – Do your best to get to the ballpark this summer. It's a lot of fun and it's worth your time. Definitely worth your time.
0: And, yeah, like, as you mentioned, if you're not looking to invest uh, financially in going to an Indians game, because I know it can get expensive at times between the tickets and parking and everything else, get out and pay $9 to go to a a rubber ducks game or a Clippers game or a, uh, a captain's game. They're... The uh, parking is usually relatively inexpensive, if if any, if you even have to pay at all. Some, I think most of them you do have to pay, but the, uh, the fees are not it's expensive. It's like you, two bucks. It's nothing. Yeah, you you probably can get in and out of there if you're going. If you go by yourself, you can get in and out of there without spending twenty more than twenty bucks, if even that. easily.
1: So, easily, and that even includes food. Like food prices are like stupid cheap. Like you could go just eat dinner at a game. <laughs> pay the pay the two bucks to park pay two bucks for GA, or in Mahoney Valley's case, dollar a, a dollar beer night, Thursdays, hello, dollar tickets. Um, yeah.
2: Beer is some, cheaper, too.
1: Sometimes you can, no, but the point is, sometimes you can spend less than $10 and get an experience. So we're advocates of minor league baseball for a lot of reasons, and it's a lot of because of the players, but, I mean, it's fun. You know, it's supposed to be fun. Have fun with it
0: absolutely so uh yeah get out to a ballpark this year if you haven't uh had the chance to or had the interest to before because i promise you you will you will have a good time you get out there on a good on a good summer night so uh excited to have baseball back yeah my my final thought is just simply glad to have baseball back it's always a good a time of renewal uh you know warm weather's on the way summer's on the way it's going to be an exciting year you know i'm gonna i'm probably gonna be a little bit busier this year got a new job and got a wedding coming up and uh but beyond that it's it's still going to be fun i'm going to be getting to my fair share of uh, minor league baseball games as well as a handful of indians games so it's this time of year you know whatever we think about the indians whatever we think about uh the prospects it's just great to have baseball back and it signifies you know the uh Warm weather coming, summer coming, and just pro- th- probably the best time of year in my opinion uh which is baseball season and summer overall so it's gonna it's gonna be fun, and we're gonna be here every week breaking down the latest prospect news and storylines and developments and uh we'll be doing our uh <clears throat> player of the week picks starting next week we'll be kicking those back up and trying to uh see who can make the uh most accurate week to week picks. We'll also be making our uh season uh picks for uh you know, player of the year, hitter of the year, pitcher of the year, uh reliever of the year, those kind of those kind of predictions. So that'll be fun too. So two Didn't, Didn't I win that? did I win you, that last year? I believe you did, so you gotta be defending your looking to defend your title. Okay. I wasn't asking to like
1: be a dick or anything. I was actually <laughs> curious. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I so. Uh, right, right a little. <laughs> no, I was actually wondering.
0: <laughs> anyway, I can see that title means so much to you.
2: <laughs>
1: so, oh, absolutely!
0: Uh, it, it's what gets me get, gets me through the week. Oh come on! You have that belt mounted <laughs> over
1: your bed. Don't don't lie to us. <laughs> um. Yeah, you're not wrong. Okay. Well, I'm excited. No, let's have fun with it this year. Let's have fun with it. I'm ready. Uh,
0: Alright, uh, so look, looking forward to that Looking forward to baseball season, minor league season Everything uh, And you can find all of our uh, chit-chat And conversation here uh, On Smoke Signals And as well as here on the Farm Report Podcast So uh, Be sure to stay tuned for that But in the meantime uh, For Corey Christen and Justin Latta, For the Farm Report Podcast I'm Jake Dungan And we say to you Have a good one For questions and comments, you can email us at SmokeSignals at IndiansBaseballInsider.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.